0: Of the so, and everything that we do every day, we want to be a champ. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's our place we play football.
1: Everything with an
0: attitude. Alabama. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't who we're playing. you can play against you. And make us ask That's our framework.
1: That's our M O. With the team. we Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. you the tide, honey badger. I- Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, a 12-win season, our seventh consecutive 10-win season, a historic birth in the inaugural college football playoff. SEC champions, again, all-time record-setting performances at quarterback and wide receiver, Another victory in the Iron Bowl triumph over expectations of nearly every national pundit. All of those truths will polish over time. But damn, the sting of this loss won't massage away so quickly. Yeah, man, I
0: appreciate you saying all that for the listeners, but all that doesn't mean diddly crap to me. We we are fortunate that we, we don't have to do shows after losses very often for all the reasons you just mentioned. Um, but these are the worst shows to do, you know, going back and rewatching these games is painful because we have, we have set a bar of excellence at Alabama and, um, it's just really tough to, to, to go back and, and break down. Cause when you go back and watch this game, I wrote down, you know, 35 things to pick apart that we did wrong. Sure. I could have sure. easily written down 50. Okay. So this could easily be an eight hour podcast if we wanted it to be. So, so kick us off with the first thing that you saw on offense that, um, you know, that you want to talk about.
1: Yeah. And, and you know what, you know, I went back and watched it a couple of times as well. And, and I was there in person and, you know, i probably got six pages of notes, which mean I won't, which means really I won't be able to find anything as I'm going through, you know, the notes and we're talking through this. And I know that we're after the game. And so we'll try to. You know, we'll try to not let this be a, uh, a sour grape session, but uh, I, I definitely think there are opportunities for us to uh, to, to win this game. And uh, I want to pick out <clears> – <throat> I want to start off, you know, and we traditionally do start off on offense. And I want to start off with the two interceptions. Oh, well, you know, Blake threw three interceptions, but one was on a Hail Mary at the end of the game. And so you kind of discount that one. He threw two. And I just want to sort of, you know, throw those out there. Those interceptions – of course, obviously, they were thrown on the field. But those interceptions were thrown about two weeks ago on the chalkboard. And, and, and kind of let me set that up why, right? After they shank that punt and we throw, we go aggressive to the end zone to Howard, which is not in and of itself a bad uh, play call. But, what, but the routes that are being run, we start that play with Amari in the backfield, he he screeches out uh, wide to draw uh, uh, to to draw a defender, and then we've got uh, DeAndre in in the slot, and then we've got Howard lined up at the end of scrimmage. So we've got him one two three on the left side of the offense. Cooper runs a uh, just a uh, just a non route essentially. Howard runs a a post and are an opposite uh, corner route and. DeAndre runs. Really, he's running a post, but he overruns it a little bit. And his defender, Von Bell, Blake also rolls out to the right. So there's only about a third of the field that he can throw to. Again, all of that is fine. DeAndre, DeAndre, I think, overran his route a little bit, which allowed Von Bell to 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 leave DeAndre and go step in front of Howard. So we threw that interception when we had DeAndre run. Uh, A post. We should have just run him uh, just a parallel nine with with Amari, and that's a touchdown. This the other interception, and I probably got these in the wrong order relative to how they happened in the game. But the other interception, it was third and seven. Cooper runs an eight yard route just across the first down. Runs a little curl. We throw the ball to him. Don't really look anyone off or anything. We've been doing that kind of play all season long. And what does the very good coaching at Ohio State do? They say, you know what? In this situation, we're going to drop a defensive end back into coverage. And what does he do? He drops, gets the interception, runs at 41 yards for a touchdown. There was no dream that Ohio State had that they would score a touchdown on that. They just wanted to take away Amari from that play. And then there you go. They actually do get a, a touchdown out of it. So those two picks, 14 points, we lost those on the chalkboard two weeks before the game. Oh sure. And, you know, starting,
0: you know, let let me because I cause I want to I want to comment on those on those two interceptions with you for just a second, but but I want to first start by saying, you know, isn't there a, an analogy that you live by the sword, you die by the sword? Sure. Well, we died by the sword. And, you know, this is not the mo of how we should run our offense this is the bad you get with kiffin with the good that he has done for the development of blake sims and what he's brought to the offense you know all of that we've talked about for several weeks but we are not a team that wants our quarterback to drop back and attempt as many passes as blake sims did in this ball game in my opinion while you can't point one person to this game, to use your chalkboard analogy, a lot of blame on this game can be placed at Lane Kiffin's feet, in my opinion. Yeah. Just like I, he just just like he kitted in his award circuit of Nick Saban telling me, run the ball more, run the ball more. David, we lost this game because we didn't run the ball more.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, and and you know I I'll, I'll flip to sort of another highlighted bullet that that I had, and and we'll get to a point in the game where I'll tell you if if we are going to sort of pin the loss on a, a, a on a single person. I I think you'll be very surprised who maybe I would, who I would point to. And, and well, well, let me that? use your chalkboard analogy real quick. Sorry to interrupt you. Let me use your
0: hmm. chalkboard analogy. It just speaks to what you said, you know, two weeks prior to the game, right? And so, you know, just very quickly, I'll just touch on one of the two picks. That is a huge – first of all, the pick six very quickly. Uh, Todd Blackledge quickly throws out it's the first pick six we've had since 2007. Yeah, That's when Nick Saban came to sure. Alabama. Right. You know what that pick six reminded me of? The pick sixes in the A-Day games. Right? Reminded me of, of bad decisions and not taking care of the football. Well, Blake Sims came into this ball game with, you know, well, back up. Prior to the Auburn game, Blake Sims had only thrown four interceptions the entire year. The reason Blake Sims had been effective is he took care of the football, and we commented on what great decisions he made he had three picks against Auburn and he had three picks in this game so he has four interceptions through nine games and he has six picks in two of his last three games why because in the Auburn game it was a shootout and he was asked to throw the ball too much in this game he was asked to throw the ball too much and so and so on that on that big momentum swing with that punt you know we got the ball at the 25-yard line. Yep. We can take the lead. Dude, you know what? Was it a bad play call? No. No. It wasn't a bad play call. But is it a play call Alabama should have made? Not no, but hell no. I, you right know what? there, I we
1: should have just ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. I, look, I wouldn't have been mad if we had lined up and run the ball. Let's be very clear on that. But I think as an aggressive play call right there, I'm okay with that. And the design was there. Everything was there except for except for, and I don't know if it was DeAndre running the wrong route and being a little slack, or he just never should have run a slant. Because when he runs a slant, you know, that positions, you know, Von Bell's covering him, right? That positions Von Bell to step over in front of Howard. Because Howard had beat his man. And so Howard's looking there like, where the heck did you come from? I beat my guy. And so someone else's guy is coming to pick this ball. Are you kidding me? And so if DeAndre just runs a nine or he just runs, you know, to the opposite post uh, or the the opposite corner, then Von Bell's nowhere in the picture, and that's a touchdown. And so that's just a chalkboard. And, and look, I'll say it again, the other interception is just fantastic coaching Luke Fickle and Urban Meyer that they just knew, oh, here's what Alabama does in this situation – they're gonna just curl Amari one yard past the the first down. So we're just gonna drop an we're gonna drop a defensive end with the sole intent of just taking that away. Sure, not to take sure. the ball away, right? And so you take you know it's a it's a seven point final score differential. We're talking about uh, fourteen points of play differential, right? If they don't score the seven, and then we do score the seven, I mean who you know. Who even knows what we do with the ball if we're able to get that first down? But those those are pivotal kind of plays. But look, you talk about running the ball. I'll tell you about running the ball. When in in the first half, when they scored their first touchdown, and so it was 21 to 3, it was an eight point game. Still a significant margin. There's two minutes and 51 seconds left on the clock. And Tommy, we've talked about this before at, at other games where the objective, the sole objective of the offense in that moment should be to possess the ball. Look, I understand you always want to score, but with two minutes and 51 seconds left to go in half, and you're up by eight, the the the, the mandate, the objective... You attempt
0: three passes in a row.
1: <laughs> well, and it's worse than that, but the objective should be We're going to possess the ball. No one else touches the ball unless we score a touchdown. And what do we do? Not only do we throw it three times, but, Tommy, we complete two of those passes. So we complete two of three passes and go three and out because we've only gained like seven yards. I think it was eight yards. I think we connected on a six-yarder and a two-yarder. We had uh, I, uh, an incomplete pass. So we complete freaking two of the three passes but only gain, you know, less than a first down. We have to punt it away. And, and they end up coming. And so in a situation where, you know, they're going to get the ball to lead, uh, to start the second half. So they have a possession, score a touchdown. Why give them a free possession? We yes. give them a free possession. That's exactly right. We give yes. them a free possession, and then they get the first possession of the second half. They, in effect, get three consecutive possessions. And guess what? They score on all three of them. And so well, I, I honestly think if we possess the ball there, I don't care if we score or not. I really don't. we just go into half up 21 to 13. Yes. 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 See, and that's within our grasp, right? Because if you t- heads down, run the ball, you're gonna burn. You're gonna burn that off the clock. And heck, the way we were running, uh, Derrick Henry to the left, we get a first down or two.
0: Well, oh. here's this. This is the okay. Let's just go to that play sequence real quick. Okay, as my as my colleague, who's a former Alabama quarterback, loves to remind me this season, this is what you get with the dink and dunk, Lane Kiffin. Okay, and and this is the this is the dying by the sword. Because on first down, first of all, we had crappy field position at the 10-yard line, okay? So it's not like we started at the 40-yard line and we can take a couple shots and get a field goal. So to use your analogy, we should have even been more conservative and not tried to score because we started at the 10. So what the offensive coordinator playbook says out of of coaching school is – you start off conservative deep in your territory, right. and if you break a big run, then you open it up. Right. What does he do from the 10? He throws the ball to Amari Cooper on first down. For it's six. a little contrarian, in yes. him. and that's
1: not always bad. But, that's but not, not always not bad. Three
0: plays in a row. And so to your point, on first down you get six. It's second and four. Okay? Right there on second and four, to use your analogy, we should have said, We're running it two times in a row, and if we don't get four yards, then we'll punt it away. But we have burned a minute and a half off the clock. Yep, That's what we should have done. And I will quickly flip back to the beginning of the game because when I went back and watched this whole game, I went back from the offensive side of the ball. The first two series told me that we were going to have problems. And so I'm just going to quickly tell you, on that first series of the game, Derrick Henry, right, is basically, you know, uh, at the beginning of that game, we had a third and three on the very first series. And I'm sitting here thinking, run the ball. Get a first down. They're an undersized offensive line. Run the ball. What do we do on third and three? We run a go route to Amari Cooper. Remember we talked about the LSU game and all the shots taken down the sideline? As soon as I thro- saw us throw a go-route to Amari Cooper, who was held on the play, but they didn't call it, on third and three, I'm thinking, what the hell? Then we sit there in the second series of the game that we have the ball, and we force the ball to Amari Cooper. So we throw the ball to Amari Cooper. He's got, <laughs> he's got a cornerback. He's got a safety over the top, and he's got a linebacker um, shading him as well. He's got three guys in his, in his zone. Brian Vogler runs a go route straight down the hash. Nobody covers him. Right. He goes straight down the hash on the second series of the game, and he's wide open. You could, I could have completed the pass. Where does Blake Sims go? He doesn't even go to his second progression, whatever it is. He goes straight to Amari Cooper. Sure. Why? Because Lane Kiffin's job is to pick a receiver, throw him the ball 100 times, and hope he wins the Heisman Trophy. That's the die by the sword. And so we finally got what we deserved for a team that throws the ball to one receiver 95% of the time and the rest of the football team 5% of the time.
1: Well, and we have, have, real quick,
0: you have trained a quarterback who's not really an experienced quarterback. What have you taught him to do all year? Throw the ball to Amari every time, nine, 10 times a game, throw the ball to Amari.
1: Well, it's, it's one of those things though, right? I mean, in some respect, you can't go wrong throwing it to the best player on the field. And so I, there's there's some – You can when he's triple that. covered, though. And I'm not as mad at Lane Kiffin as you know a lot of other people are. I think he was a fantastic hire. I continue to think that. I think he calls a good game. I just would like to see him swap out. And, I, and I've been pretty consistent on this during the season. I'd like to see him swap out five or eight or ten sort of forced passes – for just conservative runs, uh, and and if he'll do that, we'll move the change, get the first downs. Guess what? He'll get those eight plays back, and so well, your, he'll get me, more plays, let me, right? Let me have, he'll, let me he'll have, get more plays. Let me have yeah. eight of these bozo passes, and and for and for run plays. Guess what? You'll probably get those eight plays back because we're going to get some first downs here.
0: Yeah, the biggest thing, it just like your analogy at halftime when it was second and four. And he threw the ball, and he completed a two-yard pass. There's that lovely dink and dunk at the line of scrimmage that I can't stand. So how you complete a two-yard pass is beyond me. But second and four, you do a two-yard pass, and then you you sit there on third down and you throw it again. So I was really frustrated when I saw Derrick Henry start the game. And the reason why I saw the calf of of TJ Yeldon, I saw it was all taped up. And did you notice? Oh, here's the other thing real quick. Going back to the fade with Amari Cooper on that first series of the game, what I should have commented on is they brought Derrick Henry out of the game on the yep. s- after second down. They brought in TJ Yeldon on the third down play. Yep. And so you his got a guy who
1: – His first carry of the game was a critical third down conversion.
0: Yes, but you got a guy in that situation who comes in on third and three on the first series of the game, and you, you ask him to pass block – but he's banged up, yeah. right? And you throw the ball to Amari Cooper 20 yards down the sideline, which is a difficult pass for a quarterback. A good quarterback, right? A really, really yes. accurate yeah. quarterback to do. And so I think they should have started the game with T.J. Yeldon. I think, it sent a, I think it sent a signal to the Ohio State team that T.J. Yeldon didn't start. So if T.J. Yeldon was able to carry the ball 10 times in this game, he then he started. should have started. He should have started the game, looked like it always looked, and 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 had him play like every four series or something.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair, right? You know, I got the impression, you know, watching it live and then and especially going back and and watching it again, you know, Yeldon had 10 carries, like you just said, Henry had 13. So it was a pretty even distribution. That's only 13 runs. I'm not real, I'm not real keen on that. I would have liked to have seen more. I got the impression, let me just throw this out here. I got the impression that we were conserving our running backs. We, we were very almost strategic in where we used Yeldon, and we used him more late when it felt like we needed some spark in the running game, which is ironic because we got plenty of spark from Howard. We just, you know, that, this is a game where, uh, not Howard, Henry. Well, Henry, Henry right. should have carried the ball 25 times. He, because if if he, T.J. Yeldon
0: was only going to go 10. David, we've been talking about this for years. What do we say about A.J. McCarron? We said A.J. McCarron's stat line, right, would yeah. be 20 of 30. For 200 yards and yep. one touchdown. Yep. That's, and, that's, we s- <laughs> and we said the running backs need to have 40 carries. Well, I'm sorry. In the games that we've struggled, our running backs have only had 20 carries.
1: Yeah. In the games that we've struggled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should, we, should, we should run the ball a little bit more. Let me ask you this, though. And so let's just, let's just say, okay, the game plan is, is going to be a little more pass-heavy, right? We've been talking all season long. On this podcast, uh, you know, it's documented, right? Pull up the tape where we we go to Amari and there are some games that there have been some games where the next leading receiver has two catches. He's got 10 and the next guy has two. They, showed a, graphic, had three uh, today. they showed a graphic of uh, Amari's catches on the season with the next leading uh, receiver, uh, you know, being DeAndre, DeAndre White. And his and the disparity is just almost laughable. I mean, it's it's horribly embarrassing. The the disparity, right? And so Thanks we know like we go. And th- that's right. We go to Amari. We go to Amari. We go to Amari. We go to Amari. That's what we do. You and I have talked about in multiple podcasts. If we were playing Alabama, what we would do is sell out to take away Amari. And finally, someone did it. Right? So finally, someone. You know, did that. They dedicated the resources. Uh, Amari had a, a, a lesser day. No one else really was involved in the passing game. We have – what we have is we have, a, we have a chip. And so all season long, we've been stubborn, hard-headed, whatever the, whatever the word is you want to use. And we've insisted that we have to go to Amari. Well, here we are on this, other, on this new stage, unprecedented stage going against a a known commodity in coaching, very good coach, with three weeks to prepare. Don't you think that's time to cash in that chip that says, Amari Cooper, we love you? You know that we love you. You, for the first half anyways, are going to be a decoy. And let's light up someone like our Darius Stewart, who's coming back from injury or Chris They'll, John
0: Jones or no, Brian I,
1: Vogler. Let's just have somebody with five catches just shine in the first half. I'm saying specifically our Darius, yeah. right? Cause he's coming back from injury. He's coming yeah. back from injury. You know, it's the kind of thing like they would never see it coming. Right. It's like, it's, you know, we would do that and say, damn, that was a fantastic, that was phenomenal planning. And then, we didn't do it. I even texted, you it know, makes our buddy, want, our buddy Greg, I was driving, when we were driving over to New Orleans, I even texted uh, uh, our buddy Greg, and I said, you know, I bet our Darius Stewart has a, has a big day today. I just envisioned that's how we were going to approach this game. We were going to cash in that chip, and we never did, and we
0: never did. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, and um, it would have been a good, you know, they, they've spent three weeks preparing for Amari, right? And right. And then we come at them with something totally different. Yeah. And and you had you know you were you were talking about the you were talking about the Russian game and you know obviously TJ Yeldon aggravated this calf during the off period and you go back and look at this team this year when this team has struggled they haven't ran the ball very much. Yep. They ran the ball 29 times against LSU. They ran the ball 32 times against Arkansas, 32 times against Mississippi State, all very close games. Okay. Florida, 52 carries. West Virginia, week one, 49 carries. The Missouri SEC championship, real quick, they attempted, let's see, 49 rushes. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing I want to point out. If, To your point about Derrick Henry getting the rock 25 times, just like you just said, don't show your hand with Amari Cooper, well, you should have started the game with T.J. Yeldon. And T.J. Yeldon would have had a couple carries in the first series. And then because you know he's banged up, right, conserving, yank him out now, you haven't shown anything, now bring in Derrick Henry for the next two series and have heavy Derrick Henry.
1: Did we try to trick him the other way and say, oh, we'll start Henry, you know, and Yeldon will come in, you know, full strength and, and surprise him. But not, not if the boy
0: is hurt. Okay. Right. I didn't realize it till we were getting ready for the show. Derrick Henry had his season high rushing against Missouri with 141 yards. Yeah. I don't know how many carries he had in that week, but he had 141 yards. Yeah. And so to your point, the dude, rut is this, this just makes me, because I, I know I'm not smart enough to be an offensive coordinator, but this is that armchair quarterback stuff you were talking about, okay? The kid rushed for over 5,000 yards or 5,500 yards in high school. He broke the record for most rushing yards ever of any co- high school running back in the history of right. high school football. Yeah. And you only give him the ball 13 times? And by the way, by the way, there was only a couple carries in the first quarter. The bulk of his carries
1: came late in the third quarter.
0: Yeah. That's how dumb we were. I don't even think he had a carry in the second quarter.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know, but in look at his performance over the course of the season, he was a different running back in the second half of the season than he was, you know, the first half. And I would even say, you know, the last quarter of the season versus almost the whole rest of the season he was that much better at the end and so he's really come on and and the way that we were running him to the left you know one thing that struck me as I was watching the game again you know we would run him in the middle and he wouldn't have the same success but we put to him or pitch it to him uh outside and I got to thinking you know he's tall he's six four, he's a long strider getting him out on the edge is really what he's going to be most effective at because he's the speed that he has is dazzling for, you know, as big as he is. And, you know, once he gets those legs going, I mean, it takes him a couple strides to get up to full speed. Once he gets those legs going, I mean, he is motoring. And so why didn't we just continue to pitch it to him? And then, you know, when they overload to the left, we're going to pitch it back to the right. And just, you know, Gene Stallings would, would be salivating. To have an opportunity to have called, you know, the plays right, because it would have been tall sweep left, tall sweep right, tall sweep left, tall sweep right, and, and it would have been something to see all night long. And it's frustrating that, I mean, you know, to your point, you and I neither are going to have a chance to, you know, you know, coach like this. But man, sometimes, sometimes I wonder if the game isn't a whole lot easier than you know it's sometimes made out to be. Oh no, absolutely. And you know, they talked,
0: Todd Blackledge talked about what success they were having running away from Bosa. And he talked about how undersized Ohio state was right. That they were a little quicker, uh, more agile, but they were smaller. Okay. Leon Brown was beat on one of those sacks where the inside guy just did a spin move that he's not used to big uglies doing that. And so, If they would have just leaned on these, I mean, they averaged 280 yards across the line. Just let Leon grab a hold, do that legal holding that they're allowed to do now that I wish I could have done when I played offensive line. Just lean on that little 280-pound guy and just lean on him for three quarters.
1: Oh, what a different football game it would have been. Well, you know, and this is this is where it's, you know, it's it all kind of comes back together, right? If we had run the ball uh a, a little bit more been a little more physical with these guys you know we only had what 70 snaps and uh you know they had 78 so that's not a whole lot but but you know 70 snaps with as many 3 and outs as we had if we had run the ball got some first downs we could have easily been 84 85 uh, uh you know snaps possessing the ball keeping their defense on on the on the field they're a young team they're not real deep they have their top flight talent you know, Michael Bennett defensive tackle, Bosa at defensive end. You know, they they their depth. best two rival yes. our best two, right? That's fine. But you get six or seven, we we're gonna eat your lunch because we've got the depth that they don't. And so it all goes back. Let's pound the ball, let's power the ball, because not only is that gonna help our offense, but that's gonna wear out their defense, which by the way, then helps our offense, right? Uh
0: no you're you're exactly correct we we fed it. we we played into their hand yes. by not yes. allowing them to use their depth. Yep. Or having to use their depth. I want to quickly say on that on that on that interception after the horrible punt I still say that that was a huge momentum uh point because they thought oh crap the very first play we throw an interception and they've got the momentum back, okay? Sure, sure. And 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 this goes to Blake Sims and his inexperience as a quarterback, meaning not a three-year veteran, okay, of protecting the ball. Sure. And so he did the play as it was designed on the chalkboard. He did a long rollout, which takes a while. Well, I'm just going to tell you that on that play that you laid out very well, when O.J. Howard came off the line of scrimmage, there was nobody on him. Right, the outside linebacker blitzed, and so OJ Howard was actually open from about the five yard point off the line of scrimmage to about the thirty yard point. He ran about twenty five yards with
1: nobody on him. The trick that you you got to be careful. You got to be careful on that though, because you could say, well, why didn't he throw it to him then? But on a design rollout, he can't see him. You know, he can't he can't see, you know, over over the line on that type of that type of rollout. So sure. no, if, no, he, if it was a, if it were a drop back and he was standing tall in the pocket, yeah, he could he could have thrown over over the congestion and completed that. But on a design rollout where he's kind of really rolling out to a spot, he wouldn't have he, he wouldn't have it's unrealistic to think that he would have been able to see them there. But No, no, you're but, correct. But you've designed a long rollout.
0: Right, which gives a fast, small defense time to react, what would have been a better play there? If you, if you had to pass the ball there, Okay, I still think we should have run the ball. I would have run the ball starting at the 25, and I would have made them stop me till I scored a touchdown, and I would have eaten a few minutes off the clock and taken the lead and just stuck the dagger in. But, but if you had to pass it, wouldn't a play-action pass been much better <clears throat> if you had been running the ball effectively? We didn't play-action pass much in this game. Because you can't if you don't run the
1: ball very much no, I understand I, I look, I think this I think that play call was was a good play call. would I have called it no I, w- I wouldn't have, but it was a it was a good play call it was it was one of those let's let's stick the dagger in them kind of plays, and you know coaches generally are hel- heralded for doing that you know we've had times in the past where we, we wouldn't do that, and we've and we've you know questioned those decisions. So the fact that we tried to do it and it didn't work, I don't want to be completely hindsight on that. I just, I, but I want to pick out the dynamic of that play that was that was the failure, and it was it was it was the com it was the route combination. It wasn't the, it wasn't the money route. It wasn't the the intent of of trying to get the ball to Howard to score. It was it was the, surpl- uh, the it was the extra fluffing. That is is really what screwed us out, screwed us off, and 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 I'll just say, look, Von Bell, phenomenal safety. We wanted him very bad uh, through recruiting. You know, Bosa is another guy that we really wanted through recruiting. So they've got some, you know, some talent. They have some athletes and at the and, top, you know, but yeah, absolutely, top. they really yes. do. Now they don't have the depth, and and they'll tell you they don't have the depth. Uh, but you know, at the top. And then, and then you, you, you know, we uh, just like you said, kind of play into their hands, not forcing their defense to stay on the field that long. It gives their top-flight performers the opportunity to to have a larger impact. And of course, they did. What else? Uh, what else on offense? And uh, or or take us to mini game ball. Um,
0: you know, as far as offense, I. I I just wish we would have gotten some more receivers involved, as we discussed. I will also quickly say, for a fast team, you want to do misdirection. So, besides the tall sweep to the edges, what did they do to Alabama? Right. Well, when we flipped the field to defense, they they tried to go on our edges. Mm-hmm. We should have done some traps. We should have done more screen plays. Derrick Henry had you know a big play on that one screen. Yep. We should have had more screens, more draws, more traps. More counters, you know, just more of those kind of plays. And and, and and Lane Kiffin just doesn't call those kind of stuff. He doesn't call the counters and the traps and and you know, I can count on one hand how many traps we've run all year. Right. right. We we don't set our offensive linemen up with leverage to, you know, to make a great a great crackdown block and, and really open some holes. And so one of the things I miss and, and and he's done a good job is we just don't we don't we don't we don't set our line up that well to be as a I mean, we average five yards a carry in this game. Sure. We we have talked on podcast, David, about how for the season we've held an opponent looking back over the whole season to two and a half yards a carry and we've averaged five yards a carry. Yeah. A team that averages five yards a carry should not lose a football game. Right. Period. So mini game ball, mini game ball is tough for me. You know, there's that there there really wasn't any true mini game ball performer that really stood out to me. So I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm gonna give it to you know, I'm I'm gonna give it to Derrick Henry. He's yeah. not a mini game ball guy. I think many I, I think Derrick Henry obviously would have preferred to carry the rock thirty times. I think he had a good game. You know, I, I hope TJ Yeldon comes back. I my gut is TJ Yeldon will come back. Really? And um I I I, um, you know, I'd I, I look forward to the two different running styles uh, next year. But I was surprised when I looked at the cumulative stats that Derrick Henry actually, after this last game, he finished with a thousand and twenty-five yards, <clears throat> whereas T.J. Yeldon finished with a thousand and twelve yards. Yeah, and so he actually, you know, edged him out at five point eight yards a carry for the season. And um, you know, he, he's my performer for the for the football game.
1: No, I think that's a great pick. You know, he's more of a, a, a big time player, and his contribution is a little a little big time for the mini game ball. But you know, you have to give hats off to him. Uh, just to follow up there, I don't think Yeldon comes back. Uh, he's he's already a junior, so you know where does Tom go? But uh, you know, he's going to be eligible for the, the NFL. And running backs only have so many carries. Uh, I think that uh, I, I think if if he projects out as a top top. You know, first and second round pick, he's gone, and so I'm assuming that he's going to be gone. You know, for the sake of of you know the tide, I I would love for him to come back, but I don't know that he does. My mini game ball, uh, and and kind of in the spirit of of the mini game ball, I'm going Justin Fowler, one of my all time favorite uh you know kind of players, but you know he had two. Uh, receptions 14 yards not a real big sort of money contribution uh in in that regard but he had some really devastating blocks and uh on 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 at least one more than one of our touchdowns you know he had he had springing blocks he had blocks blocks that helped you know spring the play and uh it's kind of guy that uh o- over his career has done a lot of different things and sort of exemplifies the uh the mini game ball in uh in my mind so i'm going jocelyn fowler Oh, and, and also
0: to your point there, right, with, with his senior leadership and what he's done yes. Yes. to the team. <laughs> Blake Sims shouldn't have carried the ball ten times. If TJ Yeldon was a little banged up, by damn Justin Fowler should have got five or six yeah. carries yeah. in this football game.
1: That's I am fine with that. I'm fine with that. And and you know, you know, Taran Jones, why didn't he get any carries? You know, those you know, that's that's a whole other that's a whole nother thing. A whole nother thing. So well, flip us to defense. What uh, what stood out to you on uh, the defense? The very first thing was
0: well, the very very first thing <laughs> was after the game, they're giving all this love to their running back and and how great he did. Yep. Well, David, he rushed for two hundred and twenty eight yards, and 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 that's great. We haven't had a hundred yard rusher against us all season, but. Ohio State was not able to do anything at the beginning of this football game. This third string quarterback that everybody's in love with did not complete a pass until the end of the first half. Right. The, the dude couldn't do anything but run the ball up the middle, which is a whole other issue that I want to touch on in a second. But on that, on th- this running back for Ohio State who finished with 228 yards. He got 140 yards on two carries. Yep. And on the and and at the beginning of the game when he had that 55-yard run to the 5-yard line, Landon Collins was shoved in the back by the wide receiver. It was like one of the worst pushes in the back I've ever seen.
1: Are you talking about it in the, their first possession? Yes. Oh, yes. you know what? You no, know, I went back in super slow mo, and I watched that play. I, I swear to God, probably twelve or fifteen times. He was tripped. You could the, the the defender very clearly when he when he was beat, stuck out his leg and tripped Landon Collins. I you know because I said why in the world is Landon Collins? You know Landon doesn't just fall down. Why is he? Why is he? Uh, why is he splayed out uh, in in that way? And uh, as as it turned out. The defender tripped him. Well, I, it looked when I first
0: watched the first couple times. It you know I just you know I thought that he had pushed him in the back. It should have been a foul. It shouldn't have been a fifty-five yard run. Right. Um, on the other big run that was the backbreaker, the eighty-five yarder. Um, you know how ironic. You know our two leading tacklers for the season are not in on that play. Yep. And Reggie Ragland and Landon Collins. Yep. Yeah. And and so most people at home saw Landon Collins the play before on the turf. They see him get off. They see him bounce up and run off for his one play. And I'll be damned if the very next play they run that eighty-five yard play.
1: Yeah. Well, I you know, and I'll tell you about you know that eighty-five yard play and and just and just their running game in in general. And I just, you know, I'm a, you know, I I hate to kind of pat ourselves on the back on on this kind of of thing. But if you go back to our preseason guide, you go back to our preseason shows, you go back to many of the shows that we've done this season. We've talked about a deficiency on our team is our linebackers. Uh, We don't quite have the depth there. And we don't have the dynamic athleticism that we've had in recent years. And I'm thinking, you know, A la C.J. Mosley, C.J. Mosley, roe McLean, those those kinds of guys, right? And what we have what we have observed this season is that our linebackers are actually very, especially Ragland, the way that he's come on, and and DePriest as well. They are very good inside the box. They're very good uh, stepping forward to uh, to address the run. They're less good. Uh, in coverage. In fact, you could say they're bad. And so what what they did, what Ohio State did is they found the soft middle uh, in in the zone. And so that kind of speaks to our linebackers in coverage. But you know what, you know what? Dirking staff is 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 better is better than that. They they said look we'll take you, we'll take your soft middle and we'll raise you one. We will be very clever in our blocking schemes. And we will not run the ball when we can't put a guard on one of your linebackers. And if you go back every single play that they that they really broke for long yards, they had a creative blocking scheme. When 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 they would get two or three or four yards, they were doing very standard, very traditional uh, blocking. But when they would bust the eighty-five, they bust the fifty, they bust the the long runs. Every single one of those, they had uh, very creative blocking. The 85-yarder, they – now we'll talk about linebacker injury because Dylan uh, Dylan Lee was out in street clothes at the time. Ragland was in uh, street clothes uh, at the time. And Denzel – Collins had just come out. Yeah, and, and Atlanta and- Collins had just come out. And Denzel Duvall was limited in the number of snaps that he was going to play anyway, so he wasn't in there anyway, uh, to begin with. So on that play, we had Sean Dion Hamilton, true freshman, number 11 linebacker. He's lining up as an outside linebacker or, you know, sort of a, a weak inside. side. Yeah, weak side, uh, inside linebacker. And the wide receiver, they have a big wide receiver. He comes down, ignores Cyrus. He comes down, and uh, this is the wide receiver. He comes down. And uh does a, crackdown and, and does a crackdown on Deion Hamilton. And it's it and if it wasn't our guy and it wasn't an 85 yard touchdown against us, it would be comical how off the feet, head over shoulders blocked he was. I mean, he was blocked into next week. But, uh, but, but let me like, let me pause you a quick second. Okay. This is
0: coaching too, and this goes to Kirby Smart, okay, just so we can spread the love around. On the play before they had, um, on, the, on the play before, they had Reuben Foster in there next to Trey Priest on second down. Yep. And Reuben Foster is in for that one play, and then he comes out and Sean Hamilton comes in for that third down play. I understand Dylan Lee was not available as well, but this speaks to the depth you're talking about. In my opinion, if I'm the defensive coordinator – because let's face it, Dylan Lee hadn't played inside much anyway this year. Right. 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 It was the Reggie, it was the Reuben Foster, Reggie Raglan show against West Virginia the entire football game. And then it became the Reggie Raglan and Trey DePriest show yep. for the whole freaking season. If I'm Kirby Smart and and this other team is up by less than a touchdown in the freaking semifinals of the sure. playoff system, and I got Reuben Foster in there on second down who's at least played some, I'd be damned if I take him out and put a true freshman in there who hasn't been in there with the ones at all this year, really,
1: in that situation. Well, that was we, dumb. That was we, absolutely stupid. We had been playing. Uh, Foster did play some. It wasn't that 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 he wasn't getting reps. There's a part of me that says you have to be thinking as a defensive coordinator – not only you know this game, I've got to get my best guys out there. But in the very back resort recesses of my mind, I've got to be thinking: Ragland's out with a concussion. He's going to have to go through a, a concussion protocol. There is a very real chance that he might not be available for the champion. You know, you can't evolve the thought too much, but there's got to be that quick fire synapse that says, "I've got to get my next guy up, playing and ready." And if that's Foster, if that's Hamilton. I guess you know. I, I guess spring practice will tell us a lot about that, but sure, but, but not um, in that moment. It can't be Hamilton in
0: that moment because Hamilton's not going to be looking for a crackdown from a wide receiver. Well, I don't know that Foster is either. <laughs> if we're going to be candid about it, but but well, I also say so. So I think if Reggie Ragland is in on that play, it makes a difference, okay? Because Reggie Ragland has been huge in uh, in the middle of this defense because. I don't have the love for Trader Priest. I think Trader Priest has has drastically underperformed expectations well, in, his, in what I thought he was gonna do. Well he is a his, he is a he is a he is a below average inside linebacker who is slow to react. He's slow to hit the holes. He was always five yards behind Reggie Raglan to make the play. I'm sorry. Trader Priest has had a very average football season.
1: Well, you know, I would, I'll be fair, right? I think the – the uh, and mostly I don't disagree with you. I think the expectations on Priest were just insane. You know, people just knew his name. So, oh, he's an Alabama linebacker that I know his name. He must be an All-American candidate. And that's just not true. He was a good chachi to C.J. Mosley's Fonzie. And yes. we, we started the season with a couple chachis back there. Well – we you can't play with chachis. You got to have, have two chachis. You can and, only have and one chachi. If, if you have a good chachi that can play with a Fonzie, then that's okay. But you can't play with two chachis. And that's kind of what we've been doing. Ragland has emerged a little bit. He started to kind of put on the jacket and slick his hair back, but he's not there yet. And of course, at that point of the game, he was out.
0: And but now dude, we've got a,
1: now we've got a chachi and a Richie out there. Well, but you're not going to stop anybody with a chachi and a Richie.
0: But right. dude, to your point. Okay, here's the measuring stick on Trader Priest. And Trader Priest, I don't know him personally. I appreciate everything he's done at the university. The blood, sweat, and tears he's done, I never was able to do. So he's accomplished more in college than I ever did. Okay, that's fair. He did something I can never say I was able to do. But you got a guy who is a three year player who was, who, who was, who during the course of the season, was passed by Reggie Raglan. Yes. Reggie yeah. Ragland slowly just, the tortoise wins the race, and he just slowly improved each week, and you could see that trajectory getting better and better and better, and he left the priest about halfway through the season. You should not have a new player at a position pass a three-year starter over the course of ten football games. Right. And that person be a Fonzie, right? They can't be yeah. a... Yeah. if that's possible yeah and so the other thing on that 85 yard play that's so frustrating you and I both know if Landon Collins would have not been sure. uh, on the sure. sideline they yeah. never would have had that 85 yard touchdown No, I agree and I agree. and the other thing that drives me crazy is on that play you've got they 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 sent Nick Nick Perry over pursues into the box and he gets blocked by an offensive lineman. You've got Jarek Williams over there that is too, uh, is cheating over to the right side of the defense. Yeah. Or excuse me, the right side of the offense. Jarek Williams is not a burner, right? He's no. never been a burner. He hasn't played a lot this year. And so he definitely, when he has played, where have they played him? They've played him in the in the in the star on the slot at the line of scrimmage. Right. Right? Well, Gino has played a little bit in the back of the defense. So explain to me on that play, which is why it makes you wonder about coaches. We put Gino at the slot. We bring Jarek in for Landon Collins. We should have flip-flopped him. We should have put Jarek Williams at the line of scrimmage and put Gino in the in the in the center field. But instead we put we leave Gino on the slot. We blitz him around the other side of the of the line of scrimmage. So he's out of the play. We've taken our fastest DB and put him at the line of scrimmage, and we've left Jared Williams back there all by his lonesome. Yeah. And so why you arranged your defense like that when Landon Collins came out, of the, uh, out makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. Now, another thing I want to touch on real quick is I think a huge coaching uh, screw-up, which you might say I'm being too nitpicky, was when they had not scored a touchdown and they we were up 21 to 6 and their center comes out of the game. Yep. And you see the right guard taking snaps yep. at center. Yep. And Todd Blackledge says the right center is going to get moved to to center and they're going to bring in a new guard. We line up and we don't even shade the left guard. We only have one guy on that on that side of the ball and they run between the guard and left guard and left tackle. Right. David, was it obvious to you live that that if they're having to shuffle the right side of the line that they're obviously going to run that play to the left side of the
1: line? Yeah, you know, <laughs> you would think that uh you know, you'd think that that would be the that would be the A gap that we would go after, right? <laughs> We had, we had one guy outside the left tackle and the other guy
0: was between the right guard and center. Yeah. So we had a hole right there which made it very easy for them to score that first touchdown. I only point that play out because had we had we covered up that gap and potentially held them on that third down, they would have had to kick a field goal. They would have been demoralized like Todd Blackledge said. Todd Blackledge set it up perfectly at home. He's like they got to score here. Yep. If they don't score here they're just going to, you know, take all the wind out of their sails. Yep. I just think it was a bad play call by our defensive coordinator.
1: No, I, I, I'm with you. We should we could we we definitely should have been more aggressive. We we definitely should have taken advantage of of the opportunity that you know right there presented itself. Um, you know, another thought on on defense changes the subject a little bit. What do you think about the safety or the non safety? Uh, you know, Xavier Dixon. You know, planting the quarterback in the end zone. Uh, they called uh, his forward momentum was stopped. I watched that about a dozen times. I don't know exactly when he was going forward. But uh, what do do you think about that?
0: I think it should have been a safety. Um, I I think that they tried to justify that his momentum was paused at the two, but I don't think it was. Remind me here, did they review that call? They didn't review that call in the field, right? They didn't Uh, review that in the press box, Yeah, they did.
1: Well, I I don't think they paused the game necessarily. but uh, To review it. Yeah, but they definitely, you know, I, I I'm gonna trust that it was was definitely reviewed. You know, they talked about, but you know, the I would have challenged it if I was Nick Saban. That yeah, would have the been the, a, a the officials were kind of, you know, right there and 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 spotted it, you know, just immediately, and uh, and I, and I thought that was that was something that the closest sort of analogy because, like I said, I went back and I was at the game and I've had a chance to watch it, uh, you know, on on the DVR and I looked at that just a. Just enough times to get sick about it, and it it looked like Xavier had him, and Cardell jumped up as if he was going to try to you know jump out of the grasp or or do a jump pass or something, and just as he was you know jumping up, it's like he rethought it and he went to pull the ball down, and I don't know if there's some version or interpretation of some tuck rule. That, uh, that that may have gone in, into play there. I didn't see any explanation that really satisfies it for me because you know he planted. You know if you take that same play and it happens at the forty-eight yard line, the quarterback's down where he's tackled. They don't spot the ball three yards forward from where he's tackled. So if you're not going to give him you know, If, if you're not going to give the quarterback the benefit of the doubt in midfield, why do you do it for a safety? It should be called the same.
0: No, I agree with that. I, I definitely think that, that it should have been a safety. I, I, was, I was surprised by the call because they, they seemed to be very quick on the field of calling it that way. Yep. There, was no, there was no hesitation. There was no conference on the field from the officials or anything like that, which was surprising to me.
1: Yeah. Well, I just want to, you know, and look, there's a million different things we could we could talk about. You know, you you know, coaches talk about the last five minutes of half and the first five minutes coming out of half. And, you know, maybe it's the last eight and the first eight, you know, but taking a principle, um, not, you know, I'm not counting seconds here. But if you take that principle in in that window of time. Ohio State scored 28 unanswered, you know, and and we've talked about it, right? They scored the the touchdown to get to 13. We've talked about, you know, how we gave them the ball back, so they got to 20 before half. Well, to get 20 before half, and so now it's 20 to 21, and you've turned the ball over at that time. You feel like maybe you've taken your best shot. Uh, You know, you've taken Alabama's best shot. They've turned the ball over and twice and – they have uh, failed the scored uh, touchdowns. They had to kick uh, field goals twice. You know, talk about momentum, right? That, that sends Ohio State to half with all the momentum in the world. Then what do they do with that? They come back out of halftime, score a touchdown. Then on their next possession, they go three and out. But guess what? We throw them a pick six. So they, well, they in effect... On four, in effect, right? Because they did have to punt there once. Yeah. But in effect, because we gave it right back to them four possessions, you know, five possessions, four touchdowns, 28 straight points. There's your ball game, folks. Well, sure. And, and I'm going to tell you, even with Eddie Jackson
0: falling down and them getting that quick touchdown, which once again was a big play, right? Once again, they had a, they had a big, you know, all, uh, you had a big, a big play. Um, uh, a big pl- explosive play, you know, out of the uh, to start the second half. Well, to your point, after that touchdown, there was 12 minutes left in the third quarter. They effectively did nothing offensively until three minutes in the fourth quarter with the 85 yard run. So I'm going to tell you, even with, even with, you know, everything that happened, even with Alabama being now down twenty-seven to twenty-one to start the second half, that stupid pick six was huge oh, because shoot. Kirby Smart had made adjustments. You can't help Eddie Jackson falling down. Right. Kirby Jack Kirby Smart had made adjustments. Oh yeah, they went David almost thirteen minutes left in the third quarter till three minutes left in the fourth quarter they did anything offensively, and it was just an 85-yard run. Right. So effectively, David, I can argue from 12 minutes and 44 seconds left in the third quarter through the rest of the football game, the only thing they did was that one run. That yeah. one play was all they could put together the entire second half
1: of the football game. Right, and it was a convergence of circumstance because we had – you know, we had the injuries that we did. And again, I'm not going sour grapes. I'm just that's it's real. That's what no, it is. No, no,
0: right. people are gonna listen and say, Oh, you're making excuses. No, we're not. They had four, three and outs in the
1: second half. Right. Well, look, here look, here's here's a stat that here's a here's a stat that that underscores what you're saying, right? On the game, on the game, Ohio State was ten of eighteen on third down conversions. That's not bad. That's you know, maybe pedestrian. In the first half, they were seven of ten. That's superstar, right? Once adjustments were made, once adjustments were made, they were three of eight. That's less than. Correct. No, no, that that's very
0: huge. Um, anything else that jumped out at you on, on defense before we do a mini game ball?
1: I think that, and we've talked about, you know, it's another it's another of these themes. This is this game is is interesting and frustrating because every theme that we've carried through the season
0: played it we, out, played out
1: and bit us in the ass. Right. Yes. And so just here's your cherry on top. Right. And so we talked about we talked about, oh, we lost we threw this pick, you know, two weeks ago on the chalkboard. Well, th- th- this next thing we did this back in October. Right. We did this in September and October. Our best pass rushers. Our best, young, highly skilled pass rusher. Oh,
0: gosh, I'm, don't even go here. I'm thinking 10 Williams. And Rashawn Evans. And didn't Rashawn even.
1: Evans didn't get enough developmental time during the season such that, right, fill in the blank, they could play in a game like this, right? And, Tommy, you know, I think of, you know, we've played Clemson a couple of times. We've played – uh Virginia Tech a couple times and every time we've played those teams they have had an outstanding all-world all-conference you know highly regarded defensive end or jack style linebacker that just is, goes goes wackadoo you know getting sacks right and i think a Justin world worldis plays for pittsburgh now there's a couple other guys i can't remember all their names but all those guys were were sack specialists. That's all they were. They moved them around. And but they were, you know, even with sort of that, you know, quote, unquote, limited skill set, they were good enough to, to find their way to the field and be used strategically that way. Well, you will never in a million years convince me that these guys aren't ever bit as capable of that. And so we talk about. We talk about this a lot when we talk about defensive backs, right? That we'll give them roles in the nickel or n- rolls in the dime, and situationally, and they don't have to—they f- don't have to feed from the whole menu. We're going to give them a slice that they need to work on, and over the course of the season and over the course of their career, we'll kind of flesh out all of the other responsibilities that they need, so that they can be on the field all the time. Why don't we do that same logic with the with? Uh, a, a pass rusher, a rabbit rusher kind of guy so that when we get to a game like this and we've got this quarterback, you know, that, look, he's got a lot of talent, but he doesn't have a lot of experience. And we can take a Rashad Evans and just say, we're going to line you up at about, you know, 12 different places, and your goal is to sick him.
0: Man, I, I thoroughly agree, man. we We sat there with our friend Eric, you know, in the stands all season. And and I even I even talked about this in the Mississippi State game. I talked about this after the Auburn game. I said on third and long, why do we not have Tim on one side and Rashawn on the other side, and just have them go after the quarterback? Just and take there has of, been game. Just give one of them right. Well, no, have them both, dude. There was a couple times this year that we brought them in on third down and we lined them up against opposite each other, mm-hmm. and they were freaking terrors going back there. And with his six foot five, can't run that great self, they could have eaten him alive. Yep. That seven of 10 in the first half on third down would have been four for 10 or three for 10. There were several times in the first half that that on third down, we lined up in a, in a, in a damn zone and, and we dropped Trey to Priest 20 yards back and, and, the, and the quarterback would, would run for 12 yards. Yep. And I'm sitting here on the t- screaming at the TV saying, <laughs> we don't have a C.J. Mosley in the middle of the field like we have for the past three years. And so to your point, we said in the preseason, Who is going to fill that role for C.J. Mosley like Michael Williams on the offensive side of the ball? Who's going to be that nickel linebacker? It's almost like they just stubbornly said it's going to be Trader Priest. Right. It's going to be Trader Priest. And guess what? It's been Trader Priest all year, and it's been the same stick all year. Open up the middle and let the quarterback run wherever the hell he wants to run. What if you had put a Rashawn Evans in the middle of that defense on third down? How many scrambles do you think that quarterback
1: would have gotten then? I get that you can't just put him in there and 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 there's a difference between, you know, attacking off the edge just after the quarterback versus being a middle linebacker. I you know, he doesn't know the playbook. I get I get all of that, but your point is valid too. There's enough that he can do in those situations that we can compensate for. And guess what? We need compensating at that linebacker position because we don't have the depth or the athleticism. So let's go unconventional a little bit. Uh, oh, unconventional here, relative to a saving smart defense. Here's my analogy real quick, and I know we've gone long.
0: So and listeners, I hope you are enjoying this. What happened in Trader Priest, rookie uh, freshman year at Alabama? C.J. Mosley got hurt. Yep. We threw a trade to Priest in the middle of the defense as a true freshman for several weeks to learn on the job. We can't do it with some of these guys? We did it with Trade to Priest oh, as a true I'm, freshman. I know I'm fine with that. We you know we can. I just No, no, no. Why did they do it with with why did they do it then and they're not doing it now?
1: Well, I you know, you got me
0: on that one. Oh man. I just I I just I I it, the the lack of athleticism that you said inside the hashes has bit us all year. Right. Who's your mini game ball? Because yeah. you know who mine is. It was it was my man Xavier Dixon. Okay, good. Man, come on. I mean, good. come on. I mean, Xavier Dixon has had a heck of a season. Z- Xavier Dixon has come on when Denzel Duvall has been hurt. He has come on and and filled the the pass rushing uh, void. Uh, that Denzel Duvall, you know, you know, the he, he's provided a spark to this team. Uh, he finished with, you know, he finished with nine sacks on the season. He had 10 quarterback hurries, um, you know, 12 and a half tackles for loss. You know, I, I saw some stat, David, that somebody on uh, one of these other teams who had 20 tackles for loss was ranked like in the top five in the country. Well Xavier had 12 and a half tackles for loss. Right. OK, and, and just so you'll know, there was only three guys that had double digits. It was Reggie Raglin, Xavier Dixon and Jonathan Allen.
1: There you go. Xavier
0: Dixon has done more than I even expected him to do this year.
1: Uh, you know, I hate that this is his swan song. I thought he uh, I thought he played very, very well. There was a player, two where he was out of position. But that's, you know, in some respect, that's going to happen, uh, uh, you know, from time to time. But I thought he played a, a very good game. I think I'm going to split my mini game ball. Uh so each of these guys kind of get a half of a mini game ball, which probably about right deserving wise. Uh, I'm going to give half of it to Nick Perry. Uh he he made a couple of bad plays, but he seemed to have uh a, a you know a, a number of good plays as well. Uh a number of tackles. Uh he has come on over his career. We've talked about you know, we've seen multiple seasons where he's lost his starting job, and we're trying to predict which week that would happen this year, and it never did. And in this game, I thought, um, you know, absent a couple, absent just a couple plays, this may have been uh, one of his better games, and so I give him half a mini game ball, and I give the other half to to Denzel Duvall. Uh It just, it just, just like he was gutting it out uh, out there. There was there was one time where he just came off the field and and sort of pointed to himself, you know, like. I, I can't go on. And Kirby Smart, oh, he missed just the he missed
0: a, sack. He missed yeah. the sack.
1: Yep. Yeah. But, but he came out. I mean, he took himself out because he wasn't right. And and Kirby Smart just kind of gave him a, a hug and says, you know, and it, as if to say, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you giving what you can. And I understand that that you know you're not you know full of yourself. And so I think he did give us what he could. Uh, I think that he's probably sick that he couldn't have gone back in when we needed him. Uh, or we needed somebody, uh, when, uh, when Raglan was out. So, and, and, you know, it seemed like everybody was, was, was dinged up on the backside. So I give, uh, I give this, I give the other half to Denzel. Okay. Well,
0: I think that's a, um, you know, I think, I think that's a good call. Um, let, let's flip the field, the special teams real quick. Um, am I allowed to say that I'm glad Chris John Jones is a senior, man? Is that Okay. Do we, have to, do we have to bleep that out, or can we hope next year that somebody knows what to do with the ball when it goes in the end zone and doesn't kill us in field position
1: time after time after time? Well, I tell you what, you know, the opening kickoff of the game, um, he was going to return that, and that ball sailed on him just a little bit more than he expected. He misjudged it. He jumped up, caught it, and just threw the ball down. And had DeAndre, DeAndre uh, White not been in the end zone to actually pick up the ball and kneel, we would have given them seven points, you know, three seconds into the game. And that's something, as a senior, you should know better. As a as a return specialist, you should know better. And so I find that very, very frustrating. And, I, you know – we, we've got the. Mini- How does he stay in the game, David? How does he stay in the game in that situation? We don't have anybody else that that I guess that can do that. I don't know. But I tell you what, this you know th- this is a one time feature, and I hope we never get to or have to use this feature uh, again. But my feature for this podcast is the vomit stat, and here's my vomit stat of the game. Chris John Jones had. 102 return yards on the day.
0: Yeah, but he had nothing else on the stat line, correct?
1: Yeah, well, no rushes, that's no correct. receivers. But here's, here's my yeah. point, though. How many run it out of the end zone to the 15s? He had one good punt return. He had one good return. He had one good return, and, and, and that one was not caught in the end zone. I mean, he caught one that was angling out you know, near the five that may have gone out of bounds for the, to get the ball at the 35. How many times did he run it out of the end zone to the 12? Yes. And, and we lose 13 yards on that play because they'll give it to you on the 25. And, and if this – how many times have we talked You know, – we've talked about that so many times. It's so darn frustrating that why do you return it when you're not going to get anything? Here's why. No, here's why
0: real quick. I want to help you vomit a little more because I I just pulled up the cumulative stats on the season. This is going to make you vomit even more. All-purpose yards for the year, Amari Cooper, number one, 1,750. 1,727 of those came receiving. Number two on the season, Chris John Jones, 1,000 thousand two hundred and sixty three and he only caught the ball for two hundred and sixty four of those yards so he had a thousand all-purpose yards on the season doing what what drove you crazy and that ranked him number two ahead of tj yeldon and ahead of derrick henry
1: what that makes me wonder. what you know this would be i wish i had an intern right because I would I – would, my intern's – my intern's task would be this. How many yards did he earn beyond the 25 versus, you know, if, if you don't get – if, you know, so how many of those yards were earned between the goal line and the 25? And if you zero those out and then and then you actually count negative yards where he doesn't get to the 25 – Cause they'll give you the ball in the twenty-five. Why return it to the ten? And they'll give it to you? you know you cost your team fifteen yards, right? Let's go back and analyze his returns on the season. And I would wonder if if he even has positive yards. Well, the but
0: the but the guy who finished number three in the Heisman voting, right? Maybe the best receiver we've ever had. Sure. Only beat him by five hundred yards. And the two awesome running backs who had a thousand carries each to get beaten up a thousand times, mm-hmm. he beat them by over a hundred yards on the season.
1: <laughs> Something is wrong with that. Hey, um, I, go ahead. You got a comment? I, I was, you know, and so to, here's the capper on on this conversation, right? And it's the most wrong thing that probably could happen. And if I could script it, I'm not clever enough to even script this to happen. On his last kickoff return on his last kickoff return he returned the ball to where exactly to the twenty (laughs) five and he got dinged up on the play yes he wasn't in on that last series yep he got dinged up on that play he was slow getting up and he was cradling his arm and so he returned it uh... what would have gone into the end zone give it to you on the twenty five for nothing he returned it to exactly the twenty five and injured and got himself injured in the play.
0: And obviously and I'm not rooting look. Yeah, no, no obviously we, we we hate that rooting. he got hurt and, and and I really wish he would have been in on that last drive and and I wish we would have had, you know, his his leadership on that last drive. Sure. Absolutely. But um I just really wonder, you know, th- this is not a season show, but we we said weeks ago, you know, was he taking some of these chances because he wasn't getting utilized like he should have been? And and I look at these cumulative stats here, dude. You had two fifth-year seniors. Chris John Jones only had two hundred and sixty-four yards catching. DeAndre White had five hundred, yep. and Amari Cooper had seventeen twenty-seven. It's 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 the they just of- were not used the way they should have been.
1: Totally. It's, it's, it's the baseball analogy. It's the, it's, you know, what the commentators say in baseball, you know, when, when, uh, you know, someone kind of squirts a dribbler through the infield and, uh, and then the color guy will say, it'll look like a line drive in the box score, right? Yes. Well, there's your line drive in the box score, right? Cause he, he's going to go down as the second yard producer for the team this season. And in forever, that's going to kind of be in the stat books. But man, there's a story behind those numbers.
0: No, absolutely. Hey, one other thing that I want to mention on on special teams, real quick, is um, I just want to point out Maurice Smith uh-huh. and, the, and the and the and the piss poor job he did on special teams. I'm not even talking about the 15 yard play. Oh, I'm talking about the numerous times that he let the outside guy on Ohio State. Yep run right by him, yep. and make the tackle on Chris John Jones when he shouldn't yep. have taken the ball out of the end zone. He didn't do it one time. I saw him do it three times. Yep. And, 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 dude, if I'm the coach and I'm watching film, I've heard that Ohio State ranks second in the nation yep. on where their opponents start in field position. I, as the special teams coach, would have looked at the film and said, that outside guy is incredibly fast. We're going to have to do a little extra work in the next three weeks to make sure we really try to neutralize his play. Absolutely nothing was done. I mean, when I went back and slow-moed it, he was five yards ahead of all of the other guys on his special teams yep. about 15 yards down the field.
1: Yep, yep.
0: So 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 share with me the other Mari Smith story. Well,
1: if we were to say what was a pivotal moment in the game that you know it was kind of like the butterfly effect, what's the small little thing that had a ripple effect that impacted the outcome of the game? It was Mo Smith standing over the player Muhammad Ali style. He had a damn nothing thing to do. With the tackle that Ruben Foster, by the way, who missed a couple games and was back and played very well, he had nothing to do with, with you know, uh, Ruben Foster, you know, rattling teeth in ancestors of, uh, of of that running had nothing to do with that. But what does he do? Stands over the guy like he's all something, and instead of instead of Ohio State possessing the ball on the on the 14, they possess it on the 29. So you've got a quarterback making a second start. They're at a possession, I think, that's sort of critical in the game because they're falling behind. It's 21-6, to six, and you've got to start – you know, guys, we've got to do something. We've got to now kind of pull out these plays that, to try to make something go. Because oh, and that was their about, first touchdown. Because we're about to get steamrolled. And instead of – and so think about it. Second, second start for a quarterback – what does the playbook look like when you're backed up on your 14 versus when you're, you know, on the 29? It looks different. It looks like you can do different things. And they started to attack the soft spot in our zone right at that play. And I just want I wonder, and look, it's all it is is wonder. I wonder how aggressive they would have been had they been backed up to the 14. Well, and David, so you complete one of those passes and you get confidence, and you complete another one and you get confidence. You score a touchdown, you get confidence. We give them the ball back because, because we didn't decide to possess the ball to end the half. They get another touchdown doing the same stuff, throwing the ball, soft middle. They get that touchdown. Now, by then, they've got all the confidence in the world. So Mo, Mo Smith, and Mo, momentum, sometimes it starts small. Sometimes it starts small. And I wonder if it started with that 15 yards we gave them. Oh, sure. Because to your
0: point, on the series before is when they had thrown the interception and they had started on their five-yard line. Yep. So the two so the two series before that, David, they had started on their 12, three plays for two yards and a punt, and then they started on the five. So to your point, just to, just to add to it just a little bit, how great would it have been Starting on his 14, he just threw a pick to make it 21-6 and put that pressure on his damn shoulders. Yep, That would have been extremely nice. Hey, one of the things that you just mentioned that I, I just want to quickly touch on on that series because and I forgot to talk about it on the, on the defensive side of the ball is on that particular uh, series, uh, they had their first third down play. And it was the first play that they had completed that pass. Okay, mm-hmm. and so what I want to what I want to touch on very quickly is on that particular play, it was third and ten at the twenty nine. So they had gained no yards on their first couple plays. They got third and ten. We decide on third. We and we've been we've been sacking the quarterback with a four man rush on third and ten, David we decide to blitz Eddie Jackson from the corner. Uh, yes. We leave Nick Perry all by himself <clears throat> deep down the field to cover a very fast wide receiver. A wide receiver against a safety. Nick Perry gets beat very easily, and it's a 26-yard play, and they gets them to our 45. So I'm going to add on to yours and say, We've been sacking the quarterback and and just mauling him. It's third and ten. Why do you blitz a corner and put your safety on an island against their good wide receiver and take that chance?
1: Well, and and that's you know, and I just gave Nick Perry half a game ball, and you're pointing out the the play that that I I dislike the most on Nick Perry. You know, he he bounces out to to cover, and he's it. It's almost that he's so proud of himself to sort of bounce out there, that he just watches the receiver run a slant in front of him, and so hey, I just bounce out to the outside, and you're running the slant right in front of me back to the inside, huh? And it's like 1,001, 1,000. I better go cover that. Too late. <laughs> but it,
0: but, but Too it's late? third. But it's third and ten. You've got a young quarterback in his second start who just threw a pick on his heels. Take out Mo's dumb play. It's third and ten. They've gained no yards, right? You're about to get the ball back. You've been you've been getting to the quarterback with a four-man rush for the for the last two series. Why even have your safety cover a wide receiver in that situation?
1: Well this becomes and that's what this is what's so frustrating about this game is is there were things that we did that were aggressive, and they're the types of things that we've called for in the past. You know, the past to to Howard. You know, being aggressive, let's put the dagger in him, right? That kind of thing. And so this is the kind of thing. Why not on a third and long with this young quarterback? Why not throw him completely off balance and doing a quarter uh, a corner blitz? And we've got a fifth year senior who's having his best season ever let him cover uh you know because we've kind of got bracket coverage over there anyways so why not let our fifth year uh free safety uh with a lot of experience and playing his best season let him cover it and so you can make an argument both sides um i you know I, you can I make because either. we had, i guess we because
0: we had been getting to him with the four man sure. rush
1: I hear what you're saying I don't see the need to do that I'm not I'm not disagreeing yeah. with you as much as I'm saying there's a yeah. viable answer to doing either because you, no. don't, you don't expect Nick Perry
0: to bounce outside a glamour shot three
1: Mississippis. Yes. Yeah. You don't expect him to have a glamour shot moment there. You expect him to play the ball like, you know, play the, play the, the receiver like he has been all season. And, and it's, it's, it's one of the most egregious performances I've seen from him all season, and it was right then. Right there. On a key
0: moment. Well, yep. man, that, that's all I got. You know, guys, guys, uh, this has been a very tough show to do because of the outcome. Um, we, we could have touched on a lot more things. Can I do um, can I do
1: one? Can I do can I end this on
0: a happy thought? Ab- absolutely, man. End it on a good note. JK Scott. That is a nice way to end it, man. He uh, he he really had a good season. And, um, and, and, and wow, um, you know, when I, when I was looking at the start and field position for Ohio state, um, I mean, just, just very quickly, I got one time at the 15, at the 12, at the five, at the five, at the nine, at the eight and at the five.
1: Well, for his points, Did you hear what I just
0: read there? Yeah, I did. I, I did. Mean, I got eight times behind
1: the 15 yard line. Well, not all of those were punts. He, he, had, he had seven punts, a 55-yard average, a 73-yard long, five that were 50-plus and five that were inside the 20. I mean, he, so was, that, he was, you know, we talk about everything else that, that could have gone our way but didn't. If, if J.K. had shanked, it would, I don't I don't even fathom to think what this game would have turned out to be had he had had he had he been Shankopotamus.
0: Oh sure. And you don't and you also shouldn't lose a game like this with, with that kind of a weapon at punter. Right. Flipping the field like
1: he's freaking doing. He That's was weapon and in, in the dome, just the collective gasp when when he when he put the ball up a couple times. I mean, it was, it was tangible. And, uh, and unfortunately, our seats were in the Ohio State section uh, and, and, and just, just sort of the fan reaction when he, you know, because you and I kind of know what, oh, this guy's capable of a lot. And so our fans that traveled kind of, you know, hopefully most of them kind of know that too. But to see, you know, Ohio State fans, they had never seen him punt. And so to kind of see the collective sort of gasp and reaction uh, when he put the ball up a couple times, I, I did enjoy that. And uh, the fact that, uh, that uh, the day that he had is the kind of day you put on a shelf and, and you remember it because it was a very special day. I wish that there had been a W attached to it, and I look forward to his performance over the next couple of seasons.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, I, I, I am I, sure for you, man, watching, watching that stuff in the Dome was awesome. Absolutely. Well,
1: up until a point,
0: it was. <laughs> <laughs> so. anything, else, anything else you got tonight?
1: We spent a little more, a little more time uh, doing this show. Fans c- that listen to us can probably tell a little frustration in this game, and and that's just you know that's just the passion, right? I mean, this you know, <laughs> it's frustrating to lose a game like this, and and I give credit to Ohio State. They the things that they did caused us to make mistakes and caused us not to play our best game. But our best game was better than than you know that was not our best game. That was not our best performance of the season and uh you know we go out there and put our best performance out there and uh and we win that game and that's why it's frustrating i don't mean that sour grapes at all i just i just you know we had more than what we showed and it's just frustrating that uh you know the old saying you know don't don't die with your music in you well you know the season's over with some of our best performances uh you know untapped
0: well you know i will say that and um I can't think of the guy who, who writes for uh, Bleacher Report who who said the Alabama dynasty is over. His name is Barrett something, but he's an idiot. And uh, it just shows you that anybody can be a, a freaking sports writer. Everybody jumped on this bandwagon when this game was over and, oh, the SEC is dead. And, you know, they, they seem to forget that, you know, a team from the state of Alabama has been in this game for five years in a freaking row. Yeah. And, you know congratulations ohio state sure and everybody's gonna say this is sour grapes but if these two teams lined up ten times we win seven of those ball games nobody has said that after this but we win seven out of ten of those ball games
1: no and i i I, you know and i tend to agree with that I hope we've kind of laid it out you know we've been very critical of of our team and our performance and and kind of how we prepared how we perceived our our preparation for this game and I, and I hope that we've kind of been fair in doing that such that when we then come back and say that we do think we're that much better than Ohio State, there's merit to it, right? Because had we done a couple of very simple things differently, and we didn't, we didn't do them, but had we, I, I do think it's a different outcome. No, absolutely. Hey, another couple
0: of very quick things. First of all, that guy, that guy's name is Barrett Sally. Well, so, Barrett, I'd like you to give a listen to this podcast so you can learn a little bit about Alabama football. Second of all, I just want to give a shout out to D. Hart. I saw across the wire that that D. Hart is going to enter the NFL draft yep. after this season. And so just kudos to him for what all, you know he's trying to do and and what heart he gave when he was an alabama football player
1: yeah I, I completely agree i i completely agree and i'm glad that he had the success that he did with um colorado state and uh... McElwain and, and mackawain having the opportunity to go to florida don't like him going to a rival, but uh... definitely uh... like the fact that uh... he's going to uh... you know get a chance to lead a big-time program uh, i think it's interesting that uh... that he took uh meyer as his offensive coordinator, so you know obviously we've got kiffin now, but our last two offensive coordinators are, uh sort of the off of ba brain, brain trust at Florida, so there's gonna be a part of us that wants to see them do well, and then certainly the the part of us that's that's not gonna want to see that but uh, uh I find that to be pretty interesting do you have anything else or or, or you want to
0: take a No, out? man i no i think i'm I think I'm good man i uh sorry we had to end it on this kind of a show but uh on a, with a loss but uh looking looking forward to uh, looking forward to a day game
1: Absolutely, well, let's come back and uh, let's do, uh, we got signing day coming up so there's going to be all kinds of phenomenal uh, good news uh, coming up around that so let's get together and do another show uh, we did uh, we did one last year I thought was uh, was really good so look forward to, uh, to doing that uh, with you so we'll take a couple weeks off here we'll come back and we'll do some off season stuff uh, we are sitting on 59 uh, reviews on iTunes, which for this medium and this topic, this category in iTunes is is a is a pretty pretty uh, impressive number. And so I'm just going to ask somebody. I'm I'm just asking one person out there listening, go give us number 60. We've struggled through this this painful uh, rewatching this Ohio State game so many times that uh, just one more uh, get us up to 60 will just uh, absolutely make my day. So that's my challenge uh, to you guys out there. Other than that. This has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.